filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. oldest of us on this mm-hmm. podcast how many more years in your life do you think you can play professional soccer uh none <laughs> none zero zero years uh, i don't think i am capable of playing professional soccer right now uh and i don't think it's gonna get better in as i get older so no so you are 38 years. right yes 38 king kazu is 54 If he's a a king at 54 playing professional soccer, what rank does that make you? Ooh, that's a good question. A peasant, uh, a mere peasant, happy (laughs) to serve uh, as a tied to the land. Yes, uh, on the on the lands of the kingdom of King Kazu. Adam, uh, how many years do do you think you could play professional soccer? Uh, Being 37, just turned 37. Uh, negative 15. <laughs> fair, fair. How many years do you think your dad could play professional soccer being closer in age to King Kazu than, than, than you are? No, I think we're equidistant. We figured this out before the show. Ben is referencing, uh, some math that was performed badly before the show started. Um, By wherein I figured out successfully that King Kazu is aged roughly halfway between my dad and me. Um, but I could not nail down what those numbers are to save my life. Well, how many years do you think your dad could play professional soccer? Uh, none. He He's watched some collegiate soccer in my hometown. Don't believe he's ever watched a professional soccer game beginning wait, to end, wait, let alone wait, play wait, one. Wait, 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 wait. He also your, has a replacement knee, so he's... he's is your dad a riverboat gambler? He's not, no. Okay. No, um... I, I am not sure? Ace Purple's progeny. I am sure? sure. I am. I am sure. He, my my father will tell you he has many vices, but riverboat gambling is not among them. Okay. Hey, hey, welcome in. It's filibuster. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and self-proclaimed surf Jason Anderson. We are all can, from Washington. Jason Anderson. Yeah, I, I think he's probably above a surf. I will say that. He's not a surf. He's he's definitely someone who's pl- pledged fealty to King yeah, Kazu. Through, through demonstrations of fealty, I I have at least climbed the ranks to maybe like a some sort of like uh I don't know, connect uh, a middle manager between surf and uh some other layer of the uh this combination yeah. business and feudal <laughs> system that I've now coming up with. <laughs> I was going to say like a household servant to a lower vassal of King Kazu. Okay. Like I, I, like I work for the jester, but I'm not the jester. Correct. Okay. That's, that seems fair. That's a, that's a good spot. <laughs> You're not going to get killed when the jester makes someone mad. So well, yeah, I mean, you, King never Kazu mad. Um, you, you never know how Royal uh, intrigues are going to shake out. Uh, so, you know, 
if it if my time comes, so be it. <laughs> Jason, do you want to explain who King Kazu is for those yes. uh, uh, poor people who don't know? Uh, Kazuyoshi Miura is a forward for Yokohama FC in the Japanese First Division. Uh, he turns 54 later this year, and over the weekend, uh, he was given a contract extension. Um, and these aren't like <laughs> jokes. Like this is not a contract extension that is being done as a as a prank or as some sort of like um, PR stunt. Like he actually legitimately is in uniform on the bench uh, on not on a regular basis, but like not, you know, not five times or four times, but like in the teens maybe. And he, I think he made four appearances for Yokohama in the first division this past season. But again, this is a man who is about to turn 54. Um, and I think you were saying on Twitter earlier, uh, he made his first appearance in, in appearance in 1986, meaning I would have been one year old when he made his first appearance in yeah, professional yeah. soccer. His first professional soccer appearance came in 1986, and my, my first encounter with him uh, was in 1998 when, before the World Cup with Japan, the big talking point with Japan getting into that World Cup was, um, is a 31-year-old Kazumiura uh, too old to hack it at the, the National Team <laughs> uh, for this World Cup? And he so took that personally. Right, and now he, I, I guess he's going to play literally forever. Like the, the year will be, uh, you know, twenty seventy five, and professional soccer will no longer be played, except in in Japan, where Yokohama FC will be fighting to stay up once again. And a, uh, I, I don't know how old, uh, hundred and fifty year old King Kazan year old will still be will still be subbing in here and there throughout the season and getting like an hour in cup matches. And I want to say, this is not the first time Jason has brought King Kazu to our attention. Um, our, I think our, Slack, was... our Slack subject is literally King Kazu and has been for years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when he was 48, maybe he got a contract extension and Jason was on it then. Yes, um, I'm, so I'm we... paying very close attention. Uh, I, I, I think this makes him the best soccer player in history. And I'm not even really kidding because I feel like it's more impressive to me to play professional first division soccer at 54 uh, than it is to do the things Leo Messi has done. Because uh, I mean, look, if Messi is doing them at like 43 or 44, then I'll start to reconsider. Um, but again, we're talking about a man well into his fifties playing professional. Who's closer to our father's ages than us. Adam's math aside. Uh, in short, we stand. We do stand King well, Kazu. We're all getting old ourselves, so this is this is also certainly influencing my position on on <laughs> King Kazu's worth. Is just like if he can keep doing this at his age, then uh, it's a, a genuine inspiration. Uh, yeah. That I, I did a five k on Saturday. Um, the, the DC United organized it's a very much 5K. the same thing as playing first uh, division soccer, and I am still sore and tired from it two days later, and I am thirty seven. Granted, I haven't trained my whole life. And you didn't even run the whole thing. I did not. You noticed I said the word did a 5K, (laughs) not ran a 5K. I pushed a stroller for that 5K, so that upped the level of difficulty. But yeah, my my quads are just still, when I go upstairs, they are like, why? And I have to try to explain to my quads. I have a broken toe, and I'm I'm the youngest person on this podcast. And far younger than King Kazu. I'm like 20 years younger than King Kazu. 
Anyway, I'm Adam. They're Jason and Ben. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. Um, and King Kazu. And King Kazu, with some regularity. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk some DC United tidbits, uh, break down the current situation around the team a little bit. Um, and then in the second segment, we will have our friend Travis Clark on to talk about the MLS Super D Duper Draft. I believe that's the official name. Uh, and our, and talk our about... oldest guest? I'm not in years, but he is, in, he is... in the sense of uh, having been on here the the furthest in the past. I think he is he is our longest recurring guest. Yes. Yeah. He was he was not our first guest, no. but he is he is the the one who has recurred the the longest. Yes. Certainly. Uh, and we're very happy to have Travis back on the show. Before we get to any of that, though, Ben, what are you drinking? So, over the weekend, we went to an enchanted forest. Uh, and by that, I mean, we went to a forest where this guy in his 80s just carves uh cartoon characters into trees and he just lets people just wander over his property and just look at all the like an ancient and magical mist that descended down and kept people from entering or leaving the forest correct not that i saw but uh uh there is an olaf uh which my daughter loved because olaf is her favorite character uh there's also uh anna and elsa uh, Anna is her second favorite character from those wow, movies. Wow, Elsa's not even in the top two. Wow. No, 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 no. It's Olaf and Anna. Um, when she asks for the movies, she she either calls them the Olaf movies or the Anna movies. Respect. So, uh, but yeah, there's there's Spider Man. There's uh, Road Runner. There's Shrek. There, there just ton and it's just like this little thing on the northern neck of virginia and it's just like you park and you just there aren't really paths you just wander through this forest and it's pretty cool so all of that to say all of that is a preface to while we were out there we went to a brewery nearby and they had a very good gingerbread stout and they explicitly said that they wanted their gingerbread stout to be like Hardywood's gingerbread stout used to be uh, back before, in their opinion, Hardywood sold out. So it it had a real big ginger kick, which I actually really liked. It was a ton of ginger uh, and it was really good. So that was uh, Kalau Brewery in uh, the northern neck of Virginia. So if you happen to be there, their gingerbread stout's really good. And I got a little bit of it to go. So that's what I'm drinking. Nice. Jason. Uh, my story is a little simpler. Um, yeah, my, my, mine was a lot. I'm sorry. It was a lot. How many cartoon characters does yours involve, Jason? No, none. Zero. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I wanted something multi, and I was standing there staring at the uh, beer selection available to me in that particular uh, liquor store, and I kept finding myself coming back towards the the very simple uh Vienna lager uh, 15 can suitcase that I keep uh, coming back to over and over again because it's a good deal and it's a good beer. And in the end, that's what I did because at a certain point, if you're just standing there and not making a decision, but you keep kind of considering one thing, you should just grab that thing and and be done with it rather than stand there until who knows when. Maybe they're going to close and be like, 
literally, if you're not going to buy anything, you have to leave. We're shutting up the, De- the store for the night. Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager or who's Vienna Yeah, Lager? yeah, yeah. Uh, Devil's Backbone. It's a, it's a good beer. It's a good beer. It is. Yeah. I, I made myself a Manhattan with uh, some old Overholt rye and then a more local uh, vermouth and Angostura bitters. And uh, I just want to, you know, throw a, some praise out there for old Overholt, which might be the best value liquor there is in this country. It's a great um, rye. It is, it is an incredibly decent rye, mm-hmm. uh, especially for mixing drinks. It is very well balanced and it mixes very well and it's incredibly cheap. It is a very solid thing to have on your bar and you should all, you should all get it because sometimes you need rye and not bourbon and this is a good rye to have just hey, as, as a standard. Hey, Adam. Hey, want Ben. Want some rye? Of course you do. I have no idea what bit you're doing right now, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to put you out there on that limb by yourself, but you're out there on the limb by yourself right now, buddy. Zork. That no. is a noise that you made. It's a video game. <laughs> It's a text-based video game from the night from the eighties uh, and nineties. So I'll, I'll just go back over here. Jason, do you want to say it or or should I say it? Zork, nerd. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were also going to say Zork. I was not going to say Zork, but now I have. <laughs> and so we move on to soccer. Um, there's not a whole heck of a lot happening in the DC United verse right now. Um, uh, we don't have a schedule for 2021. MLS keeps saying that they want to start play early to mid-March. Um, they have to give at least six weeks notice because there's six weeks of preseason before they, they start playing the actual season, and they haven't done that yet. Uh, some reports say that the league is probably, that the teams especially seem to think that the the league won't start until as late as May. Uh, of this year so um you might you listeners might be in store for some creative endeavors from from this year podcast in the future we Um, might go deep into the entire zork series i can promise you listeners we will not do whatever it is he said that there i don't know what that is and we won't be doing that but there are some other very bad ideas that we might do I feel like Adam, by making such a firm stance, uh, you have immediately set yourself up to uh, <laughs> possibly be betrayed by me. Uh, and the, the the real determining factor now is just: Do I want to play a text based game from the eighties? Uh, I don't know. That's asking a lot. Um, so I have to decide whether there's I'm also, that. There's also that was a calculated F- gamble on my part. Yeah. I there's also an FMV version of it from the early nineties. That, if you prefer full motion video uh, <laughs> video games from the early nineties, right? <laughs> anyway, um, the only update we have on the coaching search is that uh, our favorite candidate that had been mooted uh, is no longer in the running. DC United did make an offer to Gonzalo Pineda, um, but talks broke down reportedly over his demands regarding support staff, whether that means he wanted to replace the current assistants uh, or the the higher staff or have a larger staff uh, or a larger analytics and sports science department 
which Seattle does. They they have one of the biggest analytics and sports science departments in the in the league. Um, we don't know the details, but that's that's what's been reported by Stephen Goff and Pablo Maurer. Um, so unfortunately, our favorite domestic candidate is no longer in the running. Steve Goff uh, said on Twitter that that Chad Ashton appears to be the last domestic candidate in the running. So it looks like there will not be whoever DC United's next head coach will be will not be someone with previous long like actual MLS head coaching experience that's not on an interim basis uh which is something they 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 said they wanted um but I'm okay with I'm okay with that I would I would have very much liked Gonzalo Pineda but it looks like it it will probably be somebody who has coached abroad uh taking or it'll just be just Chad by process Ashton. of elimination or it'll just be Chad Ashton or it'll be Chad Ashton for a year because 2021 it's just looking like 2020, the sequel in many unfortunate because, ways. Because 2020 won. Because 2020 was victorious. This is what I said last week. Yes. Um, Jason Levian was on um, our friend's podcast, Tried and True, this weekend to uh, help support the uh, the DC scores uh, or help support DC scores and what they're doing in schools around DC. Um, and he talked to them a little bit. He said that the, the one thing that really jumped out to me that he said during during his interview was that the front office, including him, have been working to try to define a style that they want the team to play and even a philosophy that they want the team to to abide by and then pick a coach from there to implement it, which... I see the face you're you're making, Ben, and that seems to be the face that a lot of uh, neutrals and DC United fans have have made. But uh, I will throw out the likes of the New York Red Bulls and the Philadelphia Union, who have had some success defining a philosophy in the front office and then having a coach execute. Well, sure, but I would rather that come from the. the... <sighs> I don't know if I trust Dave Casper to implement that. And I would rather it come from the soccer side and not the ownership. So that, that is my main reaction to that is I would rather it come from a, from someone who has a, a overall soccer mindset and not from a. My ownership. assumption would be that it's Dave Casper and Stuart Mayers, the, the technical director and analytics boss of the team um, who are, We've seen. We're I mean, we've seen that ten years of Dave Casper. I, 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 uh, I don't I know mean, if I'm we, into that. We've also seen the team not have a defined philosophy beyond whatever the coach happens to want to do in that moment. And that coach was Ben Olsen, and he had his fallbacks when things went wrong. So I, I can see the benefit of it. I, I agree that I don't know that it's the right way to go with the current staff but I can see the argument for it. Well, what I would say is that, you know, looking at the past few years with DC United, um, what we've seen is it's been sort of uh, every year is a little different because there hasn't been that, uh, that foundation undergirding a lot of things. So it's been, you know, 2013, the team was a complete mess. So, they assembled what they could. They assembled a team that was going to be defensively stout, 
and having just enough difference makers to turn those shutouts into wins instead of draws. Um, it worked through 2015, more or less. It started to not work in 2016. Uh, the team made some trades and also caught some lightning in a bottle and changed styles completely. Uh, the, the back half of 2016 was a completely different team from what they were in the previous two years. Um, when that was not replicable in 2017, we had another year where nothing worked and it was very bad. And then the team changed again. Um, 2018, you have another year where it's the team was a certain way for part of the year for one reason. And then they were a completely different team in the second half of the year because they acquired Wayne Rooney and they had a bunch of home games stacked up. Um, but again, they tried to replicate it at in 2019 and they couldn't do it. And the team kind of, you know, stumbled along. 2019 was very boring and disappointing, but it also wasn't as bad uh, as it seemed because this is still a team that got to 50 points. So it wasn't like they were terrible. It just didn't feel very good. We didn't enjoy it. It was judging against expectations. It was a major yes. disappointment. But but the reason I'm I'm going back through all these seasons is that the reason that you have so many changes from let's do this to let's do that is that you're just sort of lurching from, you know, short-term solution to short-term solution. Um, this was one of the things that, quite frankly, I don't think up until, you know, DC finally put some money into the roster for 2020, um, it was the first time you could say that uh, that it wasn't just a one-shot solution. It was like, let's try and build something that's a little more sustainable than just a one-year thing. It did not work, but it was the first time during all of Olsen's tenure where it wasn't just like, okay, how do we put together a team for this season? Um, it wasn't with a longer term plan. And we spent a lot of time once Olsen was let go on this show talking about how one of the major things we want to see is progress towards uh, a, a sustainable long-term future for the team. Uh, and that is, we're talking about style of play. So on one hand, I, I am glad to see that they took that time. I, I'm not saying this from sources. This is my own speculation. Uh, I think if the team felt more pressure to hurry and sign a coach that we would already have Chris Armas, he probably would have already been on this show. Um, it would have been settled a while ago. Um, but because the team has been gifted, uh, this, uh, unfortunate window where we don't know when the league is going to start it seems like dc is not their... usually what people mean when they say every crisis is an opportunity right but in this it case does, it feels like dc's been uh, or is hedging or is putting all their bets on season's not going to start when they're talking about um because they they are acting on the idea that they've got more time than the season starting in march like the league wants to talk about um so Assuming that that does not come back to bite them, because like I said, it's a bet. Uh, it is a risk. This is this is a they're taking a risk here. If the, the league is like, hey, guess what? The season's starting in March. Good luck. Um, then this is going to be a real debacle. Um, but I will say that taking your time to think of broad strokes style of play. Um, I don't really have an objection to uh, the owners of the team getting presentations saying like, you know, playing this style in a league like MLS, you know, data-based uh, presentations about what these styles can do and which players on that are already here can fit into it, blah, blah, blah. Um, that stuff is fine. Um, it's just that um, 
once you've once you've kind of made it known that there's a December deadline, you set yourself up where people are going to be very mad when they don't get their coach. They don't know what's happening with the team in December. Um, and we're still there. We're, you know, we're, we're recording this on January 11th and we don't know what's coming. So it's 10 days until ML, uh, until the MLS super draft and they don't have a coach. Yeah. Um, which is not good. Um, but also, uh, it does kind of, it kind of goes counter to some of the, the narrative out there. You know, we're talking about, uh, the team now apparently being down to one domestic based candidate. And the narrative has been very consistent inside the fan base, outside the fan base, is that DC is cheap. They're not going to spend on a coach. They're just going to hire someone that's already in the league because they know they can get them for less money than an equivalent coach elsewhere. Or then they're not going to shoot for a, you know, Tata Martino kind of coach who's going to come in demanding that kind of salary. Um, but now if you if you get down to the point where Chad Ashton's the only domestic candidate left, uh it sounds like you're most likely not going to end up hiring him. You're going to hire somebody else, which means you're hiring someone from abroad, which means you're paying a competitive rate to get that guy or that woman to come coach here. Um, so it might be that the team has decided that this problem can't, the, the problem of what to do with DC United and become a better team can't be solved with the coaches they were looking at, though obviously they also came very close on two separate occasions to going that route anyway. So that's a different thing. That's like, you know, what do they, do they actually want to do this? Or is it just like the flavor of the week right now where they're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we think now that we've had some time to think about it, we want to go abroad. And then next week it'll be like, you know, we're kind of thinking that someone with some MLS experience would be nice because we have, it feels like we've gone back and forth between those two things during this search. And I would like, I would like to feel more clarity than a couple of days of yeah, 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 we're looking more international than we were before. Hey, Jason, I mean, that's how uh, this coaching search feels, right? Yeah. Hey, Jason, uh, w- what about a coach who has about ten years of MLS experience, uh, has U.S. Men's National Team experience, uh-huh. uh, played in MLS for for fifteen fifteen uh, ish years? We're all part of Benny's army. We're all out to win the league. I I mean I don't I don't know what's going on. Uh, once once we started getting like Sheffield Wednesday bookies are uh, talking about Ben Olsen coaching there. I don't know what's going on with anything anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I want him to get that job. I desperately want. Yes, that. I, I want I want him to get an <laughs> to get a job in the championship. I think he would crush it. It would be I want fun. Him to crush it. That'd be great. Ben Olsen winning promotion to the Premier League would be among the greatest things I've ever seen. Yes. But with, with you know, with, with the we DC... Broke Jason. <laughs> I mean, it just, with the DC search, the thing I keep coming back to is, like, I don't know what the team wants. Yeah. Um, Does and the I team like, know what they want? Well, this is the thing, is I like that they are now saying, okay, we want to make sure we know what style of play we want before we just start interviewing random coaches. Okay, fine. You should have no, you should have already known that. That, but okay. that should have been set I, previously. Yeah. I, I want you to have that settled before you go making hires. Um, but at the same time, the fact that that's come up so late in the process makes me wonder, you know, how deep are they going to go after they've made that determination for themselves? Because they've lost quite a bit of time just interviewing, you know, the the basically doing something they did going way back when, 
um, which was that when P uh, Peter Novak stepped aside for the uh, Olympic team bid, uh, you know, one of the reasons that fans were skeptical of Tom Sohn was just that he was the assistant coach who kept coming up on interview lists around the league. Um, it had come up before that he was going to interview for this job, that job, because he was just the assistant whose name came up when you say, well, what assistants are looking for an MLS head coaching job? He was just the name that came up and people were like, I'm, I'm skeptical about this. Um, and it seems like that was the first thing DC did was to just, who were the assistants in the league that were thinking uh, could potentially be a head coach? Um, and now to have been linked to very, being very close to moves for two of them. And then for it to suddenly be like, well, now we've determined that we're, we're prioritizing style of play to determine, you know, the style of play becomes the issue that gets you in the door. Um, so to speak, uh, it's a very odd thing for it to come up at this point in the coaching search, rather than being something that we should have known by like Thanksgiving. So I'm puzzled. Right. I'm still puzzled, even though this sounds like a step towards a better understanding. It's still like, well, why is that stuff coming now? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because the, the coaches that, that were interviewed and were reportedly offered the job are pretty different as far as styles as yeah. far as we know chris armis who comes out of the red bull system but tried to give them a plan b and that's where it fell apart um and then gonzalo pineda who is seattle who play a very different style right. than even also, the red bulls plan b but but we're also you know we're also you know with pineda like as much as i understand and, and even shared in the out of the names that were out there, he seemed to me to be the best uh, option based on what we know, but all of it's so limited um, because yes. we're talking about like, we have not seen a Pat Noonan coached team. We don't know what that looks like. We haven't seen an Ezra Hendrickson coached team uh, outside of some people that might've watched him coach Sounders too uh, for a little while. If you were that dedicated, congrats to you. Um, but most people, we don't really have an idea of how he would play. And also if you're coaching the two team from an MLS affiliate, your your coaching style might not be what you want to do. It might be that they're saying, you need to tell them how to do this. Um, this is what you're telling them to do. Your job is to tell them what to do, not what you want them to do. Um, and so a lot of this is us sort of trying to forecast something, you know, Gonzalo Pineda was supposedly the tactician in Seattle um, and Seattle is a, you know, a mid block team for the most part uh, that, that likes to keep the ball, but we don't know if, if, what if Brian Schmetzer was like, look, these are the, like, this is the skeleton you fill in the uh, muscles, so to speak. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd like a, a, a B plus Brian Schmetzer. I would take a B plus Brian Schmetzer at this, at DC United. Right. But we don't actually know. Um, right. So that's, that's one of the reasons why the Pineda news didn't hit me quite the same as I, I know it hit people on Twitter pretty badly. Um, the vibe I got was that it was kind of a disaster, but um, while I like the idea uh, in theory, it is, we're all, it's all in theory because these coaches, the only one that, or the only two that we have a track record on watching play frequently are Armas with the Red Bulls and Jill Ellis with, with women's national team. Um, everything else has been us sort of trying to, you know, read the tea leaves and figure out what this person is going to do with DC United. So, um, you know, uh, 
at a certain point, I, I just, uh, I can't get too caught up in any of the candidates because it's all, uh, you know, it's all just us guessing what they're going to do. So my advice, I guess, to everyone is don't hinge yourself or don't hitch yourself to one coach's uh, wagon too hard because, you know, what if, what if Pineda got here and immediately was just doing exactly what Ben Olsen had been doing? Um, what if the team, I mean, I will say people, I have my doubts about whether people would be able to like emotionally parse it. Like they would be like, no, no, no this is different. This is different. And it's like, what if it's exactly the same? And people are like, no, 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 no. Ben Olsen was negative. Pineda is not so negative. And they're like, well, what if they're doing exactly the same thing though? I, my, 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 my final, my final word on the coaching search is Jason Anderson for coach. And, and it'll be completely different than, than any other coach DC United has ever had. Well, I'm going to say Steve Goff, I think he was speculating more than reporting um, that, that he thinks Chris Armas is the front runner for the Toronto FC job. And there was a name that that became available around the same time as the Toronto job that I was pretty sure was going to end up in Toronto. And he's a, a guy with MLS coaching experience um, who, who's, I think, pretty well regarded, uh, Patrick Vieira who was fired from Nice after a fan revolt. Well, uh, well welcome to soccer in most other countries. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Patrick Vieira is available right now. And if DC United hasn't reached out to his people, at least, and I think they probably have, because one of the things Levian said is that Dave Casper has spoken to 25, 30 or more coaches and then filtered that down to a smaller handful for full-on interviews with him and mayors and, and Levian. You got to think when, when Vieira became available, if DC United didn't have someone locked in, they were going to at least call his people and say, Hey, is this something you'd be interested in? Are you looking for a job? Do you want to take time off? What, what's your deal? And you yeah. assume Toronto would do the same thing. And you Patrick Vieira in Toronto makes a ton of sense after his NYCFC days. It makes, it makes so much sense, much more sense than Chris Armas does to my mind. But I would I would so love it if DC United just stumbled backwards into Patrick Vieira as their coach. I don't think it'll happen, but I would love it if it happened. Yeah, it'd be good. Uh, yeah, but like you've said, it doesn't seem likely right now. I, I will throw in, uh, is it for the conspiratorially minded, uh, if you look up Patrick Vieira's Wikipedia page, the photo that is just there, I swear to God, this was there when I opened it, is of him at RFK Stadium as a coach. Um, that is done. It's, it's done. Put it in ink. It's not from his playing days. <laughs> it's him coaching NYCFC at RFK Stadium, um, which is a strange choice uh, to make. Just for the whoever is keeping up doing the upkeep on the Patrick Vieira Wikipedia page has made an odd decision, in my opinion. Um, yes, I. I the, mean, they did. The reason the reason I went to look at it was I just wanted to look very quickly at his MLS record. We know those NYCFC teams were good, quote unquote. Um, but just to put some numbers on it, uh, over 90 games, uh, he was at a pace that would get you about 54 points in a 34 game season, which is pretty good. Not supporter shield level, but still pretty good. Only 28 losses in 90 games, uh, in the Eastern conference. Um, so yeah, uh, I imagine that because his name is Patrick Vieira, uh, and he is a World Cup winner, among other things. Um, that comes with a certain uh, premium when it comes to money. 
And going back to previous shows about Mesut Ozil and money uh, and DC United coming out of COVID with the uh, money being ob- very obviously tight. Um, I have my doubts about whether they could maybe afford Vieira, but I, I mean, Vieira did just leave a team, uh, uh, you know, leave a coaching gig under not the best circumstances. So I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly how that impacts him because he does have one good stretch coaching on his resume and then one not so good. So I don't know. It's not the same as like Thierry Henry going to Montreal where Henry's one coaching gig that was all him at a club went very badly at a club that was just a complete mess. So. Yeah. I, hey, Jason. I, don't know. I, think, I think Nice were actually in pretty good position for a while before things kind of fell apart. Right. I don't actually know enough about what was happening there to know whether this is like a Schalke situation where everything is wrong and you can't really just pin it on the coach or, or if it's, if it actually was on him. Uh, I know he had some playoff disasters at nycfc but he was a new coach and that that can happen he played the seasons he did pretty well so i don't know i think it would be fun actually let me ask adam this and jason jason can can oh snap ben's calling an audible (laughs) can jump in uh with with knowledge adam when do you think that uh dc united last got over 54 points which is what uh uh, patrick fiera averaged uh all right, so I think Jason said earlier that 20, 2018 was 50-ish, if I remember the earlier conversation we just had. Uh, I'll, I'll guess 2014. You are correct. 2014 was 59 points, and that was the last time they were over 54 points. And what do I win? Nothing. Oh. But that's a long Effing time that is, ago. That is, that is six seasons without besting his average. So that, yeah. that's a great point. Uh, moving beyond the coaching search, as, as endless as it may be, uh, some other news around DC United. Two players called into U.S. national teams camp. Paul Ariola uh, called in for uh, U.S. friendly against... I don't even know who it doesn't matter. Um, it's a, I don't think it, it's not out there yet, right? It, it, it they're playing somebody sometime. I don't know when. Are they? I don't know who. Are they? Are I, they Adam? Allegedly, probably, reportedly, uh, playing Serbia. They just haven't said it yet. Is what I or what when is this? Is this the 31st. this is January camp. It, it is January, so this is the January camp. Mm-hmm. Um, which normally you'd see a Central American team at the end of it, but it it's weird now because of the Love times it. we live in. Anyway, Paul Ariola called up for that camp, and Donovan Pines has been called in to the under-23 camp um, because there's going to be a lot of games for and a lot of tournaments for the U.S. men's national teams this year, and so they are going to have essentially an A team, a B team, and an under-23 team. Um for the for CONCACAF qualifying for the Gold Cup and for Olympic qualifying. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities and at least a couple of DC United players are apparently in the mix. No Bill Hamid, however, um, because Greg Berhalter, I, I don't understand. I don't know why Bill Hamid's not in there. He should be in there. We all know he should be in there. I, I think Greg Berhalter might be 
the the only person who doesn't recognize that at this point. Um, so that's that's the the DC United USA connection. A couple of signings uh, down the roster to talk about for DC United. Adrian Perez, uh, who DC United selected in the second round of the reentry draft, has been signed. Um, he's a guy with indoor soccer experience, which is awesome. And uh, comes from LAFC, where he was on a, a league minimum deal. He played a few games, scored a goal, I think, maybe added a couple of assists or something. Um, but he's definitely a, a depth player for for DC United. And then uh, also a depth player, Joe Kempen, has been signed as the third goalkeeper. John, John. why did I write Joe? John Kempen. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, I don't like getting players' names wrong. Uh, John Kempen has been signed as the third goalkeeper. Um, After most a, recently, uh, a trade in a trade came be a trade. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we we can trade. We what did DC United trade for him? The third round draft pick in the upcoming draft. Yes, yeah. so that's why they don't uh, have the uh, anything past the fourth and thirty first draft picks, as we'll talk about in the next segment. John Kempen though comes from the Columbus Crew. Um, I, I certainly hope he he does better than the the other most recent trade from the Columbus Crew that DC United made, which was Axel Schoberg, um, who's no longer with the team, as it turns yes. out, uh, yeah. despite that trade being made mere months ago. Um, as long ago as it may seem, it was only it was, months. It was a hundred thousand years ago. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a literal geologic epoch ago. Uh, and yet, only months. This is this is what time is now. Uh, that's all I have for this segment. Anything else you guys I, want to talk about? I would just I would point out that Kempin his his resume is a lot like Earl Edwards Jr. Except, um, you know, with Edwards when he was with Orlando, one of the things he got sort of screwed over on was that they decided to hit pause on the Orlando City B program which pretty much deprived him of a year of getting to play professional games. It really wasn't a helpful thing for him. Um, the difference here, uh, the reason I bring that up, is that Kempen has actually played quite a bit on loan. Um, so, you know, one of the things with Edwards is, is, like, everyone agrees that there's a good goalkeeper there. He just needs to play some games and gain experience. Um, and unfortunately for him, you know, his career has been beset by Orlando deciding not to have a USL team and then a year where he could have been playing quite a bit at Loudon and instead uh COVID-19 pretty much stopped that possibility. Um uh Kempen had doesn't need that as much. He doesn't need that uh seasoning. So um that's an interesting development. He's someone that uh was playing at San Diego Loyal, so he should have it if not for some some pretty uh unpleasant incidents uh that were not San Diego's fault he would have been a playoff uh a starter on a playoff team in the USL championship uh this past season on loan so um you know it'll be interesting to see once if <laughs> once or slash if uh we ever have a season um how much he competes with Chris Seitz uh to be uh Hamid's backup but uh, you know if you're not going to get like the teenage phenom that's going to become your next long-term starter. What you want is someone that has Kempen's profile who might actually be pushing sites. I know Ben last year uh, 
was kind of at a point when Hamid wasn't available that he was like, why not just give Edwards the game because the team isn't going anywhere. We might as well find out if he's any good. Um, And, you know, this would be someone of a very similar profile where you could put him into a game and you don't have to wonder if this being his first pro appearance is going to scupper the whole thing because he's, he has seen this before. He's played some MLS games. He's played a bunch of USL games and he's not going to be overawed uh, if he happens to be, um, moved up the depth chart, uh, though, you know, sites also did well when he got his, when he got his call last year. So it's not going to be, I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but I'd rather as, as has been a theme on this show for like seven years now, uh, it's much better when DC United has people competing for time all over the, the roster. That's like, our main, that's like our main thesis, like ever, that, like our that, main thesis forever. I, I, that and sign more players. They're they're both they're related. They're yeah. related. They are, <laughs> they are. I think that'll end our first segment. Please stick around. We'll be right back with Travis Clark from TopDrawerSoccer.com. You're listening to Filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and. You need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you called the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect, If if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. The MLS decreasingly super draft is right around the corner. It'll go down January 21st, 2 o'clock in the afternoon via conference call as befits the super name of the super draft. As we do every year. Uh, around this time, we've asked the incomparable Travis Clark of trop, TopDrawerSoccer.com to help get us up to speed on all things youth soccer and Super Draft and, and everything else. Travis, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Always glad to have you back. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, same thing I drink every year. Nothing. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> I drink at 9.34 p.m. when we're recording. It's one of our one of oh, our traditions I'm, here. I'm not going to lie to your listeners. I know it's your tradition, but I thought I would come clean this year and say I never drink anything. So <laughs> all uh, the all those we'll past years we've had you on, we've convinced you to lie, and this year you just <laughs> you know new year, new Travis, going to come clean. Well, with with so many lies flying out on, on the internet, I'm just trying to bring a little bit of honesty into the small slice that I inhabit. You know, it, it's commendable. I I can. I, I'm not even going to hold it against you at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, it'll be. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this. Uh, you know, air quotes super draft. As I know, 
um, that could be one of our bullet points as well, right? Making fun of it because um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And DC United could get a good player being fourth overall, right? That's what I pick. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they pick fourth overall. That's where I want to start. Um, you know, the forced parity of MLS. They're rewarded for a. Uh, uh, missing the playoffs with a very high draft pick. So um, who are some of the top names we should be looking for in the draft, whether they're going to be available at four or DC United might package the pick to to move up and, and pick someone even higher than four? Yeah, I mean, obviously, listeners of your show might should probably know if they're soccer fans of any kind that there was no, there's basically no men's division one college season. There was a very small amount of teams that played the ACC played a very limited, um, mostly conference-only schedule, leaving a much smaller pool of players, even smaller than usual. So I think for D.C. at four, you'd have to think Generation Adidas. You'd have to see who's there. That class hasn't been set as we're chatting. I know that Calvin Harris, a forward from Wake Forest, is expected to sign. Philip Mayaka from Clemson as a midfielder, I think. Austin would take him number one overall. And then Daniel Pereira is like the one official announcement we have because, interestingly enough, he tweeted out that he signed a generation of deal and was leaving school, which, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. But it was funny because normally, you know, a reporter or two will leak, leak a list of names, but this is the first time I've seen a player. And the school, I think, also announced it as well, Virginia Tech. So Pereira might be there for – I don't know if D.C. would – go in that direction as he's a central midfielder. You have Moses Nyman as kind of that young, non, what is it, non, non-senior slot. I don't know what, what they're calling, like the back end of the roster, roster these days. Off-budget. Supplemental. Off-budget, yep. yeah, there you go. And so you'd, you'd want to lean towards that. I, I think the – Ethan Bartlow has been linked a little bit, but I was in contact with his college coach at the University of Washington, and – it doesn't seem likely that he would come. I mean, he just wasn't sure. The one, you know, the one name from like a senior class, again, seniors didn't play in 2020. So it's like weird that even, it's even weirder to talk about players that nobody knows now. Mm-hmm. So few of them actually right. played. So yes. Josh Bauer is the one guy like DC United can use a center back Bowers. He signed this really interesting contract. So he signed a contract with the USL Championship side Birmingham Legion. Didn't really play. I think he just got basically did it so he could train somewhere and train with pros. But he signed a contract that had some kind of it's either a short-term deal or had some kind of out clause where if he gets drafted and signs with MLS team, he can like void the deal. Or but if he doesn't get a, an opportunity, he is still part of the league. I don't know. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. But uh, if I think of you know, I haven't done a deep dive on the DC United roster, but that would be one name that makes sense. I think if the GA class grows to four or five players, you, you're looking at that, uh, you know, but again, like we're talking college soccer players that are all basically international students if they're decent prospects. So, you know, Mayaka is a box-to-box midfielder from Kenya who first came to the U.S. to play at Monteverde Academy in Florida. Calvin Harris is for, I don't even know where he's from. He's British. He's from Hong Kong. He's from New Zealand. He was playing in New Zealand before coming to Wake Forest. And then uh, who was the other guy? Daniel Pereira is a Venezuelan whose family came to seek asylum here in the U.S. So, you know, you're looking at guys that will need international spots. Bauer, obviously, an exception. But 
and of course they could go in another direction, but you know, it's a lot, it's, you know, the draft is kind of is what it is now, what it has been for the past few years, maybe even five years at this point where it's like, it kind of depends on the GA classes. It kind of, you know, you have a chance to do your diligent work and get a good player just as, even though obviously not a lot of these guys are going to make it, but if you hit it, you could hit it and get a pretty decent player. So, um, and then of course there's always players who are pretty good that it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how pro drafts work at, at the same time. So it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. You know, if I had to, you know, I feel like, and then you guys can maybe speak to this, like does DC United probably use a center back, right? Does Josh Bauer oh, yeah. might make sense. Oh yeah. Um, you know, maybe they beat the drum to try to get them to sign the UW kid who's like, I think he's a he's not anything flashy, but could be a solid, you know, third choice center back, and maybe he surprises and um, does a little bit better than that. So you know, maybe you make a push for that and go from there. So I think that defenders tend to do okay coming out of school. They're not great, but um, you know, what was it? Jack Mayer uh, came from. You know, he hasn't played yet. I think I still think he could come, but you know. College soccer, the the one position where you some you know as you've seen with Steve Birnbaum, like mm-hmm. yeah. you pick in five ten spots high in the draft. I don't I don't think there's a Daryl DK s talent we're talking about here, which is you know it's always going to be funny to to make fun of Miami for not picking him for the end <laughs> for as long as time will go. Um, I, I, I mean. I'm enjoying the amount of things that we're slowly being able to make fun of uh, Inter Miami for. I'm I'm just enjoying that that building out more and more with their naming situation, their uh, potential new coach, the way they treated their old coach, just all of it. It is really quite something spectacular, and I feel like <laughs> like making fun of them for who they did or didn't pick in the draft is like the stupidest, like most nerdiest thing you could, but I'm going to always claim that oh, until yeah. I stop doing what I'm doing. You know, so, own your lane, Travis. Own it. I hope that Daryl DK gets transferred like $15 million and that'll really, <laughs> that'll really make me happy. Anyway, I think that runs, you know, that covers it. There's not a big, there's not a deep pool. Unless there's like a GA surprise or two, there's not going to be a, too many other random names. And, you know, of course they could go some another direction, but you know, with the NWL draft for up first, I'm actually not. And, and again, going back to the, um, you know, the lack of a, a true college season, there's a lot less data you're working with. The, you know, MLS put together the combine in Kansas City, for better or for worse, in November, and you know it'll be just interesting to see what DC decide to do with that. You, there could be a chance to trade down if you don't want if you want to do that. But again, you've got to hire a coach too, right? So lots of work to do. And the number four overall pick isn't going to make or break the team season, which is – I think that's the thing I say every year on the show. But uh, <laughs> I think it's even more true when you don't have a coach heading into the draft. So uh... – Travis, we've we've all, we've seen the draft evolve over the past five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, kind of a more meta question: If you were an MLS GM, an MLS head coach, would you concentrate more on uh, drafting for a particular need that your team has, or would you focus more on drafting just the best available player? 
uh, that's there w- uh, whenever you draft and just uh, making that situation work. I think, you know, it's definitely the latter for me with, especially for a team with a USL team, then yeah, you kind of go in that direction. It's, it's, it still can be kind of weird because was it last year where BC picked the 6'10 goalkeeper in the first round and who's now on another team. So it was just sort of like, is he in Birmingham now? Yeah, I think he signed with the USL team. Maybe, or Louisville. He signed with yeah, Louisville. Louisville. So, yeah. like, look, you're not going to rake a team over the – you can't rake a team through the coals for it, pursuing something like that. You know, you still – and, again, like, I think for you know expansion team like Austin, for example, I think if you really do your due diligence and work hard, you could end up with a decent amount of players – I mean, not a decent amount of players, but, you know, maybe two to three. Like, for example, you know, even Nashville, the opportunities will be there more for players like that than for teams that have been around for longer. You know, Alistair Johnston is an example of someone that was able to stick. You know, he was picked in the teens in the first round, so part of it was Nashville made the trade a little bit similar to FC Cincinnati where they, you know, traded up for a bunch of draft picks. Not quite at that same insane level that Cincinnati did, which is very funny. But, I don't think anybody wants to be uh, compared to FC Cincinnati at this point. Yeah, right. So, like, you don't want to go too nuts. You know, if, if teams will give you – if you send, like, a, a bag of soccer balls to somebody for a draft pick, I think that would be a good trade. But, obviously, they want the fake money to still go around. So, I think if you go for need, you, you might end up picking someone that, you know, just kind of doesn't make the roster at all because – you look even like when you get into the twenties, a lot of these kids don't even get a chance to make it for the team, whether it's they're an international and they're not going to be that close. But and also, you know, as we talk about the supplemental spots, like it's not just the fact that the there's our academy setups, but the way the rosters are constructed, you know, those spots are spots are safe for homegrown players, which are generally a lot younger guys with upside, that sort of a thing that are you want to save that spot and they have longer deals. So it's, it, you know, it's a, it's part of that complicated mix. So, and it, whereas you go for like, Hey, let's go for the best player we think is out there. Then that can lead you to actually getting a player that is either good or becomes a trade asset or, you know, heck even, you know, buys his time in the USL team for a year or two and then bumps up. Even though I know that DC United hasn't had that same success as like RSL or the Red Bulls. Well, I guess, success can be used in quotation marks also because it's like, yeah, these guys have moved on to the team, but are they really actually good players? Mm, They're okay. They're roster fodder. Well, some of them have have worked out. Aaron Long, I think was a USL project, uh, like a reclamation project, but he's, he's kind of the exception, right? He played for a ton of teams too. And, um, you know, Nick Beasler is another example. He drafted by Portland, signed by RSL to the Monarchs and moved up. But, you know, I think CRSL do that probably the most again, mm-hmm. but uh, you know you see that just as often. You see like the 15th overall pick will sign for the USL team and then you know cut at the end of the season. So right. in, in a lot of the ways, it's just a long glorified tryout. But that's why it goes back to like, hey, we need a center back. Let's go through the draft. Well, if your center back is going to be playing 2,000 minutes in, a, in a, like a normal MLS season, and it's a college kid, odds are that's not going to be a, a, a big enough difference maker for you to really you know, make that push. So uh, it's such a weird, weird thing, even weirder than normal, to, like try to like suss through all of this. And, you know, because again, we see players 
go in there and make an impact. You see Daryl DK, and while he's more of an anomaly in terms of like college draft pick into excuse me national team camp just a year later, the you know those kinds of players are still out there even if the the cupboard is a little more bare than usual. Travis, I, I did want to, I guess, get into some of the specific names. You know, you, you mentioned some guys that were actually on my list of players to bring up as sort of a, um, if you could compare them so that people um, may have an idea of what, what if DC were to make that pick, what they're getting into. Um, with Josh Bauer uh, and uh, Bartlow, for example, what, what differentiates them as center backs? What is it that would make you know, what, what, I guess if DC hypothetically were to try and become maybe a more aggressive team, which player would fit uh, that stylistic choice that we, you know, we don't actually know what's coming because we don't know who the coach is going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that is a an interesting conundrum. I think that, well, again, for Bauer, it's almost harder to to say because he played at New Hampshire, which is not a school that I saw a ton of. And Travis Ward is old uh, stopping grounds. Yeah, so, like, I couldn't speak to him specifically. You know, Bartlow I know a little bit better because mm. the Pac-12 network is just easier to watch if I'm being transparent. And, um, you know, but from, from what I've seen of, of Bauer, I think is he he could probably play a little bit higher up field, might be a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic. Bartlow has a, a really sweet passing range. So if you, like, pull up his highlights, is the assistant head coach, uh, Jeff Rowland, I think is his name, at UW, does a good job. Mm-hmm. getting like four to five minute videos and a lot of it is he hits a nice he hits a nice long ball which you know i don't imagine dc playing picky tacky it's not like he's gonna dump the ball in time and time again but you know he hits a nice switch of the field you know both are pretty good defenders bartlow's team UW up team was really good at, in 2019 gave georgetown a strong push uh, on their run to the championship that year and you know, the one thing that's always difficult for me to tell when assessing center backs is, like, how high are their team playing up the pitch? Because you don't really get a sense of that unless you see the team in person. Like, you know, just as an example, Indy, IU would play – IU plays super deep. So, like, your, your Grant Lillard's a you know, player that did really well in school mm. but ended up not really making anything of himself in MLS. He's – you know, he succeeded really well because they played super deep and didn't really push how that high up the field and, you know, Took a long time in their build-up to get forward. I think that neither of these are going to be like Beckenbauer-esque guys bringing the ball out of the back, but you know they're both solid and capable. And I would, you know, Bartlow would be the the pick for me because of the the roster spot and the GA status, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's if you end up with Josh Bauer, it's not that big of a deal. You know, if I think that both have a good chance of being like solid MLS guys for a good chunk of time time if they stay healthy and, you know, they can adjust and that sort of thing. But I, I you know, you would hope that Donovan Pies is going to continue to improve and he'd be more your, your one, your first choice than one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Although I think both could actually be a nice foil for Pines because they're a little bit, I think he, he's immobile, but, you know, they're a little bit quicker on the turn, I guess, than mm-hmm. Pines can be at times, even though I know Pines has gone, he's had his moments, but, you know, he's doing okay. So Travis, uh, switching to uh, DC United homegrown players, uh, the team very recently signed uh, fullback Jacob Green uh, to a homegrown. Yes, yes. uh, uh, 
not not Jason, gambrels. Not gambrels, but you're 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 basically Crofton. Right, Jason? What do you mean basically? We've been over this uh, at excruciating length. <laughs> it makes for a good podcast, though, to go over it again and again and again to your listeners. Right. Exactly. It's really just a treat for our regular listeners. In, Those in, who know what Gary, Pennsylvania is all about. Mm-hmm. In the heritage of, of, uh, of uh, Kyle Beckerman and Jason Anderson, uh, Jacob Green is now uh, coming out of Crofton uh, to professional soccer. Uh, what can DC United fans uh, expect from him? And do you think there's a chance he's pushing for first team minutes in his in his first year, or is he a more a uh, Loud United project that might might take a year or two? Yeah, I mean, it's really it's always hard to know with these, these kids. I think that the fact that Green's had so much time. I actually was there. It might have been his first start for Loudon, but I went to one of the games when Loudon played at Audi Field, and it was quite the experience, let me tell you. And I think Loudon actually won that game 4-0, to zero, which was, again, an, another element to the experience. But mm-hmm. he looked pretty comfortable, pretty good at that point, and this is like a year and a half ago. He's progressed pretty well, and it wouldn't shock me to see him Again, if everything goes well, the coach likes him. I and mean, I think that's the you know, that's going to be the biggest thing, right? And the thing that right. is always difficult to know, like is it when there's no so, coach. And so, Travis, since guy. you're going to be DC United's coach, oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's, there's certainly a chance that he plays. You know, he's gotten time in USL Championship. He's got pro minutes under his belt that. Few and I was you know it's, I want to say it's completely different like not college soccer I think it's USL League One I always watch those games and I'm like this basically is college soccer but it's like a like one tiny step higher and Jason I don't know if you watched enough USL League One to share that it, um, evaluation because I feel like of the three on the podcast you're the most likely to have watched but uh, that's accurate. USL Championship yeah the biggest <laughs> USL Championship is a little bit above that, and I think Green's experience there will give him certainly a, a much better chance of seeing minutes. And again, it'll depend on who DC signs, did they sign anybody, and what the coach sees and how he performs in like a preseason. So, you know, he gets scored well. I like the way he connects, and I think he could be a really, really good fullback. And you really want to use the cliche term of, you know, he's a modern fullback, he gets scored. He can contribute to the attack. You know, he's not a, you know, a ball-dominant player out there, but he'll give you a good shift. And I think if he, he continues to develop, he's a b- very, very bright future in terms of, you know, I don't want to go go crazy and say, oh, he could be a national team player, but I think there's a, a pretty high ceiling for him uh, for sure. Uh, another DC United alum uh, I wanted to talk about, or DC United Academy alum, I should say, I wanted to talk about his 20-year-old center back, Michael Edwards, who was recently released from his contract with um, the Wolfsburg Reserves in, in Germany. I haven't seen any reporting on where he's likely to go. I don't know if you've heard anything um, on that, but you know, just in case, hypothetically, how do you think he would fit in with DC United, who do hold his MLS rights because he's an Academy alum? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard to know what his form has been like. I think that 
I watched a decent amount of his tape from, I guess, like a year ago or so, and he looks pretty good. I think consistency is his issue, and maybe he got, you know, tired of living in the middle of nowhere in Germany, because I don't know if you guys know, but Wolfsburg is the, the Volkswagen HQ, mm-hmm. and that's basically all that's there. So it can oh, probably okay. be a little, little bit of a challenging for a kid from Northern Virginia to go to that, and maybe that just kind of got to him. I don't really know what um, pushed him back or what have you, because I saw a lot of bright moments from him, but again, this is like almost the 2019-20 season at this point. Like, he was doing really well in the fall of 2019, and there's yeah, I know really he moved so much going on up. the past year. Yeah, he moved quickly up from their U19s up to their reserve side, and then um, I don't think he's I don't ever really know what happened. the 19s, but I could be wrong. Um, but, you know, he's another candidate where I think you'd have to take a long look at him, right? Because it's like a classic DC United signing. He's our guy. We can get him a good deal. He could get minutes. I don't know. Is Frederick Briant still on the team? Like, how many center backs do they have? Burnbaum and Pines? And it just Burnbaum, you know, yes, and then yes, it's just that's those it. three. That's it. <laughs> So, you know, why not kick the tires or see if he's an asset that you can get within the league? I think there's there's definitely a, a decent MLS caliber player there, unless he's, like, totally dropped. I mean, this is me speaking off of what I saw a long time ago, so – or what feels like 30 years, but it's actually like one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think that uh, – I think that it would be silly not to take a look at him, but, again – it's hard to really speculate that because you think, well, who's the coach going to be and how? what does he want from his center back? Because, you know, I looked at there is his instat numbers too, his in, which is like this video analysis thing, but they didn't have the actual video of the games. And, you know, he, he, he can pass the ball pretty well in terms of like completion numbers. And I think he limits the mistakes a little bit. But from what I maybe perceived is that you know, he could be get his own head and get down on himself. And maybe that's, I don't know, but I think he's definitely a guy who DC would have to take a long look at. And I think they tried to sign him to the Loudon team before he went to Germany. So that's kind of how that went down, but well, we'll see what happens and where he ends up. All right, Travis, thanks for, for the Intel as always tell our listeners where they can find you online. Yeah. Check out topdoorsoccer.com for all of our coverage on Twitter at Travis M. Clark. And I most certainly look forward to DC United picking somebody who I did not talk about tonight on the show. And everyone be like, man, I can't believe that guy didn't bring up you know, so-and-so, whoever gets picked. So that's what that's my bold prediction from uh, tonight for the draft <laughs> for DC. <laughs> Either that or they decide to go full Philly and sell all their picks for, for allocation money. But, but to who? That... Who wants the picks? Nobody wants them. Uh, Austin, someone, Austin would do that. Austin yeah. would do it. They all they you know need the, the free players. Or or maybe or maybe Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. Cincinnati <laughs> won't ever learn their lesson. <laughs> they'll they'll post a picture the of the funny thing wrong about coach. Cincinnati is though they they could have picked Daryl DK too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Think yeah. about yeah. that. Anyway, that's why it would have been worse and DK would not be in the national team right now. And that'll be my last thoughts for the day. <laughs> There you go. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially. If you're so inclined at patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. 
download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. Whenever you're talking about DC United, just mention the podcast and we will be eternally grateful. Uh, thanking Travis Clark from Top Drawer Soccer one more time. I'm Adam. They're Jason and Ben. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. King Kazu. Forever. Thank you.